name. Everybody said, Amen. Now, it's Labor Day. And it's kind of interesting because it's a holiday to celebrate labor. We celebrate it by not working. That's kind of why we throw a work day in there for tomorrow, is so you can labor on Labor Day. And I know it's a holiday, and I know people have family things, and I understand that. But, you know, and Randy was said we're going to take a day off tomorrow. And I said, what do you mean take a day off? We take a day off, Jess don't get a chance to help again. And Jess is out in children's church. And so she can't say amen, but she would. She likes, she likes working for God. It's easier to work for God than it is to work for yourself. Of course, if you're working for God at the regular job, you're working for God, so it should be easy. Make sense? Don't make sense. Okay, anyway, a young college graduate was interviewing for his first job. When the HR director asked him what he was looking for, the, for, the young man explained that he wished to start at a salary of 100000 and be placed in a corner office, and he wanted his own secretary. The HR guy responded by offering to add a matching dollar for, dollar for 501k as well, as, auto, as an automobile of his choice, preferably a BMW. He looked at the young man and asked, how does that, how that sounded? He replied, are you kidding? The HR guy said, of course I am, but you started it. <laughs> you know, we have this, this idea of what we want, and sometimes people that enter the job market, they get sticker shock, don't they? They go out there and they figure that, man, I'm going to make all this money and buy all this stuff. I'm going to have a new house, a big fancy car, and, or a big fancy house and a new fancy car too because my parents have it. But they don't realize it took their parents 30, 40 years to get it. And we have a generation that's in debt up to their eyeballs because they're trying to get everything their parents had. And they want it now. And they're working two or three jobs or whatever it is trying to pay for it, or they'll just wait long enough and Obama will forgive the debt for them. And you know, that's what they're waiting for. I'm gonna borrow all this money and then I'm gonna say I can't pay it and I'll get a bailout. It won't happen. We won't get bailed out, just certain people do, amen? <laughs> but anyway, not everybody's happy with their jobs. Now, I don't know whether you've ever, when I was a, um, a supervisor, I had to do these employee reviews every year. I didn't like them, I hated them, because it, you know, then it kind of determined how much of a raise they got. And uh, so I had to go through this, and I had a, a lot of employees, so I didn't really like it, because it took a lot of time, and I had better things to do. But they were required. But anyway, here's some that I, that's floating around the Internet. I just did a few. They have lots more if you want to look it up. And these are some of the comments on, a, on the uh, employee reviews. It says, since my last report, he has reached rock bottom and started to dig. His men would follow him anywhere, but only out of morbid curiosity. Works well when under constant supervision and cornered like a rat in a trap. He would be out of his depth in the parking lot puddle. She sets low personal standards then constantly fails to achieve them. She donated her brain to science before she was finished using it. If you give him a penny for his thoughts, you'd get change. And from uh, being a supervisor, I can attest that I would have liked to have written some of those on them. If you've been around people, you would probably like to have agreed with some of those things. But uh, when it comes to our career, much of us has, have our dream job, and then we have reality, the job we actually go to. And, of course, sometimes the dream is a way, way out there dream, pipe dreams we call them. But uh, have you ever thought about how you ended up in the job you have? 
A lot of times it's just because that's all you could get at the time. <laughs> I think that's where I started out. Man, I just wanted a job. I could hardly wait. I know that when I was, when I was just a teenager, around 11, 12 years old, I worked, a, I worked my whole life. It seemed like my whole life anyway. And you work wherever you can get it when you're a, a young person or a teenager. Man, you just want some money. You don't care what it is. I'll go work wherever I want. I just want some money, my own money. Of course, the thing is with my money, when I was, a, was young, I'd work, make this money, and I'd bring it home, my mom would take it. And she would write it down in her little book, and then if I wanted something, she'd decide whether or not it was worth me spending it on. It used to irritate me. Of course, that was when I used to make like 25 cents an hour babysitting. How many of you would babysit today for 25 cents an hour? Not a single hand. If you do, I'll hire you. We'll find some kids. If I put it on a sign, free babysitting, I, we can afford 25 cents an hour, right? But no, I would have no takers. But back then, you could get six candy bars for a quarter. Now, how does that sound? How much are candy bars? And I'm talking those little things that they had, they call candy bars, because they charge you less, and you think it's, think it's cheaper, but it's not. They just gave you less of it. They were bigger candy bars that you got six for a quarter. So that was like making almost six bucks an hour for babysitting. Now how many takers do I have? Hey, I can watch TV and watch kids. Yeah, they're okay. <laughs> Be a good deal, wouldn't it? How far money has went down further. Second Thessalonians 3, 11 and 12. Oh, I forgot to put that up there so you could read them. And it's in purple, too. Try to put it up there because you can read along and then you read it, been funnier. Anyway, 2 Thessalonians 3, 11 and 12. We hear that some among you are idle. They are busy. They are, they are not busy. They are busy bodies. Such people we command, command and urge in the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and earn the bread they eat. And as for you, brothers, never tire of doing what is good. Now, people and kids, especially kids, will get in trouble if they don't have something to do. Parents, have you found that to be true? You leave your kids alone. If there's silence, you know that bad things are happening. It's just inevitable. We say, whoa, what's that going on? Of course, if you have dogs, if you hear noise, then you know something's going on. I had to laugh this last week because we watching, was watching a football game or something. I don't remember. And I heard this <laughs> rattling sound. I, what in the world is that? And I muted the TV, and we heard it, and I thought, what is that? Naturally, he had to go up and check because I had the other two puppies on my chair. And he went out there, and the dog was trying to get into the chip box. You know, those individual packages of chips. They finally decided, I know where these are at. And they're trying to get it. <laughs> was getting into trouble. <laughs> Wanted something free to eat. <laughs> of course, we've had a hard time because our one dog, we had to put on a diet because she's a lot bigger than the other dogs and way overweight. And so we had to, the bad thing about it is the other dogs get punished because of it. Don't you hate it? I know husbands hate it when the wives are on a diet because they get punished too. You can't have, we can't have any cookies in the house. We can't have any chips in the house because they will eat them. Man, I have that problem too. <laughs> so anyway, so, so the other dogs are being punished and so she decides she's going to get into the chips. But we get into trouble if we don't have enough to do. And we live in a society where it takes us less time to do stuff, so we need more things to do. That's why you need to get involved in a church for your kids, because we'll give them something to do. 
Pastor Sheldon does a great job with the kids. I, I know they don't like me calling kids. Anybody's a kid to me. I think there's only one person that isn't a kid to me, and that's Brother Rich. I found out he's older than I am. So I'm dirt, and he's older than dirt. <laughs> so we have fun anyway, don't we? So we, we leave them. Don't have something to do. They'll get in trouble. Uh, let's see, First Thessalonians 4, 11, and 12. Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business. Man, could we save a lot of problems there, couldn't we? And to work with your hands, just as we told you, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. We need to take advantage of this, or uh, look at this word, so that your daily life will win the respect of outsiders. Outsiders are those that aren't believers. Now, if you're doing just enough to get by and you're doing it as lazy as you can do it on the job, they are going to look at you and say, if that's a Christian, I don't want any more working for me. As believers, and I've told you many times, should be the best workers that people have. Man, they should say, man, I want to hire a Christian because they work better than anyone else. So if you're not doing a good job at work, don't tell them you go to this church. Do your church a favor and don't tell them. Don't invite them to your church because <laughs> they'll think we're all like that. But if everyone that you know saw you and everyone in this church was like you, would that be a good thing or a bad thing? I mean, I think all of us could say, oh, mean to that. I don't care who you are. <laughs> but anyway, we're supposed to do things so people will respect what we're doing. Amen? Second Thessalonians 3.10b says, A man will not work, he shall not eat. Man, if we could just get this lesson down in our society. I know there's a lot of extenuating circumstances. There are times that, that people can't work. They get laid off and not by their own choice. They're looking for a job. But there's still a lot of people out there that just refuse to work. I'm just going to sit here and draw welfare because I get more money on welfare than I do if I work. That isn't God's idea. Because when you do, what happens? You get in trouble. Then you'll sit around like we do, women were accused of for years, to sit around and watch soap operas and eat chocolate. <laughs> I haven't watched a soap opera for a long, 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 long time. I, I know they still have them, but I don't watch them. I watch football. And speaking of which, next Sunday, what happens? It's National Football Day. <laughs> I don't know. I think maybe it starts Thursday, but that's all right. We're, you know, it's football. Yay! And Brother Val says, yay for his... Washington Red Skins in their politically incorrect name, <laughs> except to the Native Americans who love it. And Brother Clift, who will play, pray for you with your San Diego Chargers. Yeah, and we love our Denver Broncos and our Chiefs, Kansas City Chiefs, and our 49ers. Did I miss anybody? Who? The Raiders. The Raiders. Ugh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, come on, I'll only carry this so far. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, there's other ones that are out there. But anyway, we have fun, don't we? Anyway, there are many reasons we aren't happy with our jobs. Some feel unappreciated. I think that's one of the best things that we have. Not only at work, but the problem we have is when our kids come home, they feel underappreciated. You want to know why they get in trouble or do other things or they don't want to be home? They feel underappreciated. 
when our kids were at home, all the kids hung out at our house. I mean, we had 20, 30 kids there. I mean, can you? Why? Because they, they felt comfortable at our house. Do your kids feel comfortable at your house? Do your kids feel comfortable enough to invite someone else to your house? If not, change it. And I'm not saying that you have to allow them to do things that, that just because they're kids. I'm not saying that. I'm saying you can create an environment in your home that kids will want to be in if you want to. But it takes work. And we're too busy. I worked all week, and I don't want to be bothered with this. I don't want to do it. It takes work. Is your kids worth that much to you? Amen? So if you're uh, tired of your job, or you feel underappreciated, or you chose the job because your parents wanted you to choose it, or you're in it for the money. Of course, we're all in it. If you work, you're in it for the money, right? <laughs> but there are jobs that you can, not, you can work it without whether you got paid for it or not, would you? And there's uh, others choose the road of least resistance. But sometimes this is the will of God because God can't, can't guide you into something unless you're moving. How many have ever tried to steer a car with no power steering when it isn't running? Have you ever tried that? Man, uh, 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 you can't. You put, even, even if somebody's pushing you, it's still hard to steer that thing. So we kind of choose the road to least resistance, but God can use that to guide you. At least you're moving. At least you're working. And it's easier to get a job if you're working than if you're not, right? Because people think, hey, if you're, not, if you're not employed, nobody wants you. Why do I? Really? So anyway, um, so I want to suggest some ways to... Next slide. I started putting these up to kind of get you a little idea of what the thing is. It says, suggest appreciate ways to appreciate our job and see it away as a way of serving Christ. Because that's what we need to do. We need to see it as a way to serve Christ. The first thing we can do to see our jobs as serving Christ is view our job as a blessing. Your job is a blessing. If you don't believe it, don't have one for a while. And I don't care how bad your job is, there are people willing to do it. And you say, oh, man, I'd love not to have to work every day. Yeah, I'd be good for the first week or so or two weeks or something like that. Then you go stir crazy if you're used to working. It's hard unless you've got something to do. People who retire, they live maybe five, ten years after they retire. Why? Because they don't do anything. Wheel of Fortune, I guess, people start watching that when they're about ready to die. Because old people watch it, and I'm not there yet. I've been retired for 10 years, and I'm not dead yet. Anyway, don't think so. I better look at the obituaries to make sure. I don't want to come do anything if I'm already dead. I don't want to come to work day tomorrow if I'm dead. <laughs> so we want to do that. Now, I remember, how many of you, you probably don't remember this, because most of you aren't that old. How many of you remember that song, Take This Job and Shove It? All right, all the old people sang. Raise your hand. Take this job and shove it. I don't work in here no more. Yeah, that was a song in the 60s. See how old I am? Well, in the 80s, there was a re another recession, and they changed the wording. It says, shove that job, I'll take it. You don't want it, I'll take it. I'll take your job. <laughs> so it's kind of a, uh, kind of a fun thing. But some people have gotten the wrong idea about work. They think, oh, man, if man hadn't sinned, we wouldn't have had to work. I don't know where you got that idea from, because it's not Bible. Let's look at the Bible. 
Genesis 2, 2 through 4. And verses 15, 19, and through 20. By the seventh day, God had finished his work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all his work, creating work of creating that he had done. This is the account of the heavens of the earth when they were created. When the Lord made the earth and the heavens, and no man shall shrub the field and yet appeared on the earth, and no plant of the field had sprung up. Uh, for the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was a, no man to work the ground. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. Uh-oh. Who put that in that Bible? That was not in there. That shouldn't be in there. Adam had to work before he sinned. How dare he put that in there? God gave Adam something to do. And evidently he didn't have enough to do because he got in trouble, didn't he? <laughs> so God, from day one, created something for man to do because he knew we needed something to do. He, we knew we needed to work. Uh, Genesis 3, 17 and 19. To Adam he said, because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree which I commanded you not, it's the only time he listened to his wife was this time. You must not, not really, I'm just kidding here, people. <laughs> you must not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat of the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken, from, for dust you are, and dust you will return. God cursed the ground. He didn't curse Adam or his work. No word does he say he cursed the work, or Adam. He cursed the ground. Now, Adam could still grow things. He could still make a living and take care of uh, the food issues, but it was going to be for the sweat of his brow. And that sweat stuff, we don't like doing that. Man, that's hard work. You know, you sweat, and you try to do something that runs down your eyes and burns your eyes. We hate that, don't we? But because of sin, work got harder. God didn't curse the work. He cursed the ground which made our work harder. And then he gave us bugs. I hate bugs, don't you? Man, we're out there working yesterday, and my Kenya bugs are all over the place. They're biting. They didn't bite me as much as they used to. I guess they, they didn't get the notice that I was there. But uh, um, Matthew was mowing the weeds, and I'm at Kenya. He looked like he had the measles. He had so many bites all over him from that. I'll tell you. I don't like bugs. Heaven will have no bugs. Aren't you glad? No bugs in heaven, praise the Lord. <laughs> that sounds like a good song. Maybe I'll write it. So, sin only made work more difficult. Next slide. The best way to choose a career or to improve our current position is to change our attitude. The problem we have is an attitude. Everything we do, 99% of it is attitude. If we have a good attitude about things, it's easier to do. I have a good attitude about coming up here and preaching on Sundays, and I enjoy preaching. I do. I really do. But it's an attitude adjustment. You say, well, yeah, well, you don't know what it's like not to feel like coming to work. Yes, I do. There's some Sundays I don't want to come to work. I tell Randy, I'm calling in sick. You do it. Oh, pastor, that can't be true. Yes, it is. 
There's some Sundays I don't want to come. Some Wednesdays I want to stay home. So it's just normal part of things because we don't want to work. <laughs> I don't care what it is. Some days that happen. But work is a blessing, not a burden, and we need to look at it such. Uh, let's see. Where are we at? Dr. Thomas Shazaz, I should have wrote that down there, said, work is the greatest analgesic, analgesic sephoric, stimulant, tranquilizer, narcotic, and to some extent, some even antibiotic known to medical science. People at work, don't they sleep better? When you work the hard day at work, you don't have any trouble going to sleep. You don't have to take sleeping pills because you're too tired. You don't even think about stuff because you, when you go to bed, you're just, you're out. Randy does that and snores. That's why I try to go to bed before he does so he doesn't wake me up. Ronald Reagan said, the man who does what he loves will never work another day in his life. That's true, isn't it? If you really love your job or, or even like it a lot, it isn't hard to go to work. You look forward to going to work. It's not a big deal. It isn't, oh, no, it's Monday again. I just left work and I got to go back. No, you, you don't have a problem going to work because you have to. You might as well get up to it. And I, tell, I told Matthew here, I said, you only got 40 more years. You have to work. 45, actually, 46. By the time he gets there, it'll be 50. <laughs> and that's a long time. You can look at it like that. That's a long, long time to work. But if you like what you do, the time goes by fast. I'm amazed at how fast time goes by. This tomorrow's September. I can't believe it. Before you know it, it's going to be Christmas again. Uh-oh, I said that word. Oh, don't remind me, Pastor. I'm just getting over last Christmas. I'm finished paying for last Christmas yet. It's going by so fast. We get up Monday before we know it. It's Saturday. And we go, where did the week go? Now, when you get older... I told people life's like a roll of toilet paper. You start out, you're at the big end of the roll of toilet paper, and it takes a long time for that thing to twirl. But by the time you get closer to the car, that time just goes, it's really fast, doesn't it? I'll tell you, I'm on the last time, and I'm more like when, when Randy leaves the roll of toilet paper in the bathroom, it's got one little square left on it, so you don't have to change it. Sometimes... <laughs> Sometimes that's where I think I am, right there at the end of the toilet paper there, right there, with that last little bit to change the roll. And one day God's going to change the roll. Hallelujah. And I get be in heaven, amen, and I get a new body. Yay, new body. Hallelujah. And then I am going to be awesome. Thank you. I love these things. I give them opportunity to say things like that. And it isn't even in my notes. <laughs> I forgot I gave you that group before we came. Uh, next slide. God can make our job the right job for us if we'll just listen to him. Amen? Every job is a self-portrait of the person who does it, so autograph your work with excellence. Everything you do, are you willing to sign your name to? I know we have artists, you know, and they paint these beautiful pictures, and it isn't complete until they sign their name. That means they're proud of what they did. So when you go home every day, and you, are you willing to sign your name to it? So when you come back, I'm proud of what I did that day. If not, you need to change something, because we need to autograph everything we do. Let's see where we're at. Proverbs. Well, next slide. 
Hallelujah. We need to see their job as a bridge for a building a good reputation. We can build a good reputation or we can build a bad reputation. Uh, Proverbs 22.1. Where am I at? Did I miss that scripture? No, I didn't. Proverbs 22.1. Again, go to the next one. Then I'll have to come back to this one. Man, I missed them. Save the next one. I know there's a verse up there. Okay, forget it. Go back. Proverbs 22.1. Trust me, it's in the Bible. It will probably be at the end of these. Sometimes you think it's easy to make these things? I just showed you it's not easy to make PowerPoints. Proverbs 22.1 says, A good name is more desirable than great wealth. Respect is better than silver and gold. And I know that some of you are saying, thing. No, I'll take the gold. No, you won't. You'd rather have a good name. Like I said, there's, there's women, when they get married, they take the husband's name. The one that don't, they don't want any part of it. You get, get that, you know, nowadays we don't, a lot of women don't take their husband's name. They keep their old name. I liked my husband's name, so I took it. It had a good reputation. Does your name have a good reputation? When somebody mentions your name, is it good or bad? What does it reflect? Uh, let's see. We need to view our job as a, as a bridge for ministering to the needs of others. It's a, it was up. There we go. Now, do I have Galatians 6.10 there? Maybe. No, probably not. No, we don't. Therefore, we have an opportunity, let us do good to all people. If we pay close attention to what we're doing, we will have an opportunity to serve God on our job. Actually, every day should be an opportunity to serve God, but it's an opportunity for other people to see you serving God, and it's an opportunity to witness to people with your life. Like I said, when I used to work, people used to make fun of me, everything going on or whatever, until they had a need. And then they come to me, would you please pray for us or pray for this need? It's amazing. You know, they may make fun of you all the time, but when they have a need, they know where to go because you have a reputation at work. Does anybody where you work know you're a Christian? Would your life back you up? Hopefully it will. Every day it works in an opportunity to reflect the love of Christ towards others. Next slide. People will never care what we know until they know that we care. There's a lot of wisdom in that. People don't care anything about that, about anything. But if they know that you care about them, it changes them. Because people want to be loved. They want to feel like they're being appreciated. That's normal. Your kids want to feel like they're appreciated. And your kids want to know that they're loved. A lot of parents don't show that to their kids. Hopefully that's none of you here today. Because we, we, I've beat that up on, well, like beating a horse, dead horse. And so hopefully you've gotten that one. Next slide. We need to view our jobs as a bridge for introduction to reality, introducing the reality of Christ. See, we're not a religion. We teach Christ here. We teach a relationship with Christ. You can join this church and every church that you can think of that's ever been. And that won't get you to heaven. The only thing that will get you to heaven is a relationship with Christ. Now, I would like people to come to the church because the church gives us an opportunity to serve, an opportunity to learn stuff so we can go out there and utilize it in there. So when you go to work, you can have an answer for them. You can help other people. But I'm all about relationship with Christ. I don't care. You can join this church or not join this church. The only thing joining this church gets you is the right to vote for who your deacons are going to be. That's it. You've got to vote for those. 
then you're stuck with them for the few years. <laughs> it's kind of like the regular elections, but we don't do any politicking here about it. We, we like to follow God in those, those kind of things, but uh, that's the only thing membership gets you is, is to vote for a deacon. That's it. But we want people to come and be part of it so we can help each other. See, we're called to help each other. The body helps each other, we're, whether you're a foot or a finger, an ear or nose or the, you know, whatever. Whoa, I'm about to put myself here. Doesn't matter who you are, we're all part of the body. And no matter what part of the body it is, it influences the rest of the body, doesn't it? Yeah. See, many people you work with will never come to a church service like this. They'll never drive to a crusade. They'll never turn the TV on and listen to a sermon. Most of them won't. They might accidentally get into one or whatever, and I've heard of people that have. But generally speaking, they won't. So you're the only opportunity they have to see Christ. The only one. And they're going to read you. And when they read your mail, does it show Christ? That's what we need to answer, because we want to do that. We aren't called to preach in the cafeteria or pass out tracts. We aren't called to do that. We're, when we go to work, we're there to work. Now, if your boss gives you the okay to talk about things, that's fine too. But you aren't called to there. You're called to do a job. And when you do that job and you do it by serving God, then people will notice something different about you. And then they'll ask you questions. That's what it's all about. Colossians uh, 4, 5, and 6. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. You say, well, I don't know what people are going to say. If they ask me a question, I don't want to answer it. Well, you can trust God. God can give you the answer just as easy as not. If not, say, I don't know. It's okay to say, I don't know. I don't know everything there is to know. You may ask me and say, man, I don't know. But I'll find out as, put that at the end of it. But I will find out. And it gives you two opportunities to talk to that person. Yeah. One, they get to see that, you know, going to church and being a Christian doesn't mean you're a know-it-all. There's a lot of people out there that are know-it-all. If they don't know it, they'll make it up. That's the reality of it. And secondly, they know it gives you the opportunity to come back to them with the answer. So it gives you two opportunities to talk to people. So God called us to build relationships where we can share the gospel just naturally. When you're a Christian, the gospel just naturally comes out. Have you found that to be true? You are to be a witness. And being a witness, when you're in courtroom, they ask you questions. That's what a witness is. They're not allowed to say anything unless they're asked a question. How many times do you see them say, Keep it to the scope of the question. You're testifying or whatever. They've said that how many times? So that's what we're supposed to do. Wait for the questions. 1 Peter 3, 15 and 16. But in your heart, but in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that is in you, that you have. I'm, this isn't King James, and sometimes I quote King James. <laughs> But do this with your gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your, your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. We're supposed to have, live a good life. So people can't say things about us. They may say things about us, they won't be true. And the people that know you know it won't be true. Doesn't matter what the world says. So we can build relationship with people and they will notice our faith. Amen? Albert attended a church and was often overlooked in a crowd of people. It would have been easy for him to become an anonymous attendee. We have a lot of people that want to be anonymous attendees. But the pastor always had an eye for people like that. 
and I try to, too. He gave Albert a very important job. You know, if anonymous attendees, those are the people that sit in the back row. They think they can sneak out first, but I see you. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. But the pastor had always had an eye for the people like that. He gave Albert a very important job in the church, to light the heater on the baptistry. It, he, didn't, he didn't do his job. If he didn't do his job, the church, church to light the heater on the baptist, baptistry, it would be cold. Somehow I mixed that up. But anyway, if he didn't do his job, the water was going to be stone cold, and no one wanted to get in it. Now, when we have our baptism service here, the water will be warm. We will not make you get in a cold, cold uh, thing. So anyway, actually, sometimes it's too warm and the kids want to lay in it and have a good time. But anyway, he drove a, Albert drove a milk truck for home deliveries. Later, Albert went to working, work selling life insurance. He would have been the last person you would have ever expected to do something like that, but evidently he did fairly well at it. Several times a year, Albert had to attend conventions and training with other men in his company. Their lifestyle was quite different from Albert, and he was the only Christian. However, he had come up with an ingenious way to introduce Christ to those men. Several of them smoked, as many did in those days, and Albert always made it a point to carry a book of matches with him. Whenever they prepared to light a cigarette, he would pull out a match and light it for them. They would be surprised that he was carrying matches since they thought he didn't knew he didn't smoke. Albert would explain that he didn't, but that he carried the matches with him because it was his job nearly every Sunday to light the baptistry at this church. And from there, he would explain about his faith in Christ and how baptism, when, how baptism was the means for declaring a person's public faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, I know some say, oh, no, light a cigarette for somebody? Hey, you just be a witness for God and let God take care of the other stuff. Amen. You know? It doesn't make any difference. Don't let your own personal thinking about certain things interfere with your testimony. I've told this many times before Randy got saved. He got saved six months before Randy did. And I still bought him his beer for six months. But then I went to him and said, you know, honey, I don't have a problem if that's what you want to do. But I kind of feel bad because the, the, church, the grocery store was right next to the church. And you run into people at the church and here you're carrying a cart with beer in it. Irregardless, whether you'd want to do that or not, that's between you and God, but I was uncomfortable with it, and so to me, I couldn't do it. If you can do that, that's fine, and I'm not condemning anybody here this morning. But don't start judging people for certain things based on what you think. God will take care of it. See, we want to get people saved, and we want to clean them too. God told us to be fishers of men, not hunters of men. There's a difference, isn't there? You're fisher of men, you've got to bait it, and then you reel them in. In hunting, you just seek them out and shoot them. Sometimes I wish that'd be easier. God said, make me a hunter, man. I'd be good. I'd have my quota in a week. I'd run out of bullets first. <laughs> but he didn't. So don't worry about that. You just be a testimony for God and let him take care of all the small stuff, right? Amen. Amen. Next, next slide. Hopefully. We need to serve our job, see our job as building, building a building project Serving Christ. We are a building project serving Christ. It's never going to be completed. We're supposed to be working at it every day. And every day there's progress. You may not see it, but other people will. Especially if you haven't been around you for a long time. Colossians 3, 23 and 24. Whatever you do, 
Work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Next slide. It is important how we do what we do to earn a living. That is what we do as believers. It's important, more important how we do what we do as believers, not what we do. We live in a world that kind of judges people or looks down on them because of the job they do. And it's, you know, parents or parents years ago, they thought they wanted to raise their daughters up to marry a doctor. They thought, oh man, that's it, or a lawyer, because there's good money made in those fields. But we aren't supposed to look at it like that. Every job is important to God, and everybody does a job God called them to do. It doesn't matter what you do. And if you start looking at people differently, you need to pray about it. Because I don't care whether you're a doctor or a janitor, or you clean outhouses for a living. It doesn't matter. They're all the same to God. And, with, and you serve God, you can have enjoy God, serving God, just as much as cleaning outhouses as you can being a lawyer or a doctor. Because you're serving, we're serving the same person. Our, your boss isn't the people that signs your check. It's God. God is the one we need to be concerned with. <clears throat> uh, Romans 14.12. So then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. God will inspect our work one day. One day he's going to look at it and he's going to see how well you did. Next slide. Our jobs will exalt the name of Jesus and draw others to Christ or they will hinder our obedience to Christ and turn people away from Christ. There are people out there professing to be Christians that are turning people away from God because they say, that's what being a Christian is like. I don't want any part of it. Have you heard people say that? Man, I grew up, I used to work with a Christian. They're the laziest people I've ever seen. That may never, ever should happen about a believer unless they're not a believer. They're just going through the motions. Three men worked side by side as masons on a great cathedral. Each one was asked why he did what he did. The first man answered that he was working for a certain amount of money each day. The second man said he was a bricklayer and did so to pay off a hospital debt. The third man said he was building a great building for the worship of God. All three men were doing the same task, but with far different intentions. And that's us. Why are you doing what you're doing? For your paycheck? If all you're doing it is for the paycheck, you're not going to be serving God like you need to. And your attitude probably stinks. But if you're saying, I'm doing this for the Lord. I'm doing God's work. Because we have a tendency to think the only people doing God's work are the people that are preaching the word or teaching Sunday school or doing this or you name it. The reality is you are just as much doing God's work as I am this morning standing here. Your job is just as important to God as this one is. Just as important. And we need to start seeing it like that. And when you do, your attitude will change. If not, get God to change your attitude and he will. He can get rid of stinking thinking, I guarantee it. Ecclesiastes 5, 18 and 19. Then I realized that it is good and proper for a man to eat and drink and to find satisfaction in his toilsome labor. Under the sun, during the few days of his life, God has given him. God didn't give you a job so you could be miserable. He gave you a job so you could be satisfied and feel something is accomplished in your life. Something you can do that make you feel better about yourself. That's God's plan. God wants you to do work, and he wants you to feel good about it at the end of the day. Mother Teresa of Calcutta, India, was interviewed. 
She was a woman who gave her life to feed starving people and minister to the dying. The person, uh, was, uh, the person conducting the interview asked Mother Teresa about her feelings of being used of God to minister to the poor. Her, irk, her, irk, her work was known worldwide, she, an, she answered. Or worldwide, she answered, but in his work, I think God wants to show his greatness by using my nothingness. She was asked later, so you, you feel you have no special qualities? Mother Teresa replied, I don't think so. I don't claim anything of, of the work. It is his work. I am like a little pencil in his hand. That is all. He does the thinking. He does the writing. The pencil has nothing to do with it. The pencil has only to be allowed to be used. Are we pencils in the hand of Christ, or are we doing the writing? Are you doing the writing? Are you a pencil? Are we? Are we doing God's work? Are we working for ourselves? Are we doing just as much to get by? God wants to be the writer. He wants us to be the pencil and use us. He wants us to write the most beautiful picture, the most beautiful thing that we could do. He wants to do. But we have to yield ourselves to him. On the job, I want to, we need to work for God. We need to see that he's our boss, not that person who signs a check. We need to have an attitude adjustment if we can't go to work and say, I'm going to go to work today and I'm going to be a witness for Christ. And that should bring excitement to our soul as believers. Because we're, we're I'll tell you, this life is only temporary. Even though you have to work 50 more years till you retire if the Lord tarries. That time is going by so fast. You will be amazed when you get there. I can't believe it. I look into how old I am. I say, man, how did I get here? And I look in the mirror and I wonder how my mother got here. You know, it's scary sometimes <laughs> to look through there. At least my mother wasn't bad looking in her old age. Guys, if you're going with somebody, look at their mother because that's what they're going to look like when they get old. A lot of you will be okay with that. Some of you won't. <laughs> Amen? Let's pray. Father, Lord, I thank you for this day and your blessing.